Come on, why don't you put your hands together and give Jesus one more praise? Oh, I think you can do better than that. I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless the Lord. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. If you never do another thing, we love you. If you never bless again, we love you. If our bank account is empty for the rest of our life, we still love you. Just because you're that good, Lord. Oh yeah, we love you, God. And, and, and if you can't tell, Lord, we just want to say it one more time. We, we love you. We really do. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. amen. Now tonight's going to be a good night, but here's the first thing I need you to do. I need you to look at your neighbor on the left and say, neighbor. Come on, look at him and say, neighbor. I need you not to bother me tonight. Tell your other neighbors, say, turn off your cell phone. Don't pass me a note. Don't whisper. Don't give me a prophetic word. We just email me and talk to me later. Amen. If you seem to have the spirit that always seems to have your cell phone go off, you need to check it right now. Everybody check it, check it, check it. Go ahead. Check it. Nobody's moving. Nobody's moving. All right, so if your cell phone goes off, you know you get clown. You know you're going to get clown. Amen. Is anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yeah. <sighs> Man, I, I got so much on my heart, and I see that clock counting down. It's telling me that I got 40 minutes left. It's demonic. Um, <laughs> but I've got so much on my heart that I want to uh, get through tonight. First of all, I want to see, is New Philly in the house tonight? All right. Awesome. Now, I don't I'm not sure exactly what are the other churches. I know Jubilee is in the house. Where are you at? <laughs> nice. Nice. Is anybody from Onity in the house? <laughs> yeah, a bunch of Onity people. They were the late ones. <laughs> Bless God. Um, what church am I missing? Yeah, yeah, young old knock, young knock. One of you. Young knock. Are you in the house? All two of you. Amen. Anybody else? Who else am I missing? You, what? That's my people. Yo, you know, you're in the house. Make some noise. Ooh, uh, okay. I know what will get you to make some noise. Come on. Here we go. Trio, trio, trio. How did he you? That's the only way you get yo people to be loud. <laughs> Amen. Am I missing anybody else? Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. The Baptists, they're not allowed to scream out, so it's okay. I'm just just messing. I love the Baptists. Get over it. I love the Baptists. I preach at Baptist churches all the time. Usually one time. Amen. Pastor Christian, he warned me, so I have to behave tonight. He told me I can't be making fun of denominations. I said, I got nothing else to say then. So I'm going to behave tonight. Um... There's a couple things I wanted to take care of. Did you guys like that song we sang yesterday? The song I wrote, You Are? Did you like that? Awesome. That song is going to be out. I'm going to IHOP in uh, one next month. International House of Prayer, not the Pancake Place. <laughs> so we're like, I didn't know they recorded music. Um, but I'm going to IHOP next month, and I'm going to record that. So I want you to keep your eyes out, because that's going to be available for you. Uh, it's called You Are. And uh, we're just saying we're going to make sure all the proceeds go to missions. That's just how I like to do it. Um, and, and that'll bless you. Um, there's a couple things, I, uh, other things I want to do. And, and tonight, we're just going to go crazy. Is that okay? So don't put no pressure on me. Don't keep your religious spirit in your back pocket, you know. Let's, let's just be free. Look at your neighbor and say, free yourself. Free yourself. Come on. Just get loose. Get loose. 
Justin, come up here and help me real quick. But I'm going to give away a few things before we get started. Anybody like the spirit of free? (laughs) I see a bunch of people... I see a bunch of people. If you bought a t-shirt already, let me see you. Stand up. Stand up. I see one here right there. Awesome. Bam. Look at that. Listen, listen up. I've got these shirts. It was made by a really popular uh, t-shirt company in the States in California. It's called Rat is Rat. This is not a demon. <laughs> Somebody's, and it's not the Holy Ghost. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, this is their logo. This is the company's logo. This is supposed to be their rad character. But I love what they did. They came up to me and they said, hey, Del, we really want to help you out. I said, uh, what do you want? Because whenever somebody I kind of looks suspicious, they usually want something. But he didn't want anything. He just said, man, I love what you're doing. I love uh, seeing what you're doing over in the Philippines. And we want to help you out. So what we'll do is we'll make a T-shirt and we'll just charge you overhead. And then everything overhead, um, everything after overhead, you can just keep the cost and do whatever you want with it. And so we decided that every time you buy a T-shirt for 20000 and we're actually selling it a little bit cheaper um, than, than we normally do um, uh, because of the the configuration of the the one and the dollar. Um, but we're selling for 20,001. And every time you buy this, you feed close to 60 kids. Cause so you can look fashionable and you can feed faces. So I want you to go back there. How many people want this t-shirt? Why don't I just toss it out? Amen. <laughs> right in front. See, that's what you get for being on time. Don't get mad. Get on time. Amen. And then I, I'm not going to throw these out because I don't want to cut anybody. Um, but I got some product back there. And if you haven't brought any pro- bought any product yet, you need to. I tell people all the time, one, if you look in my iPod, I've got sermons after sermons of myself. <laughs> um, I, I can't help it. I bless myself sometimes. If you do it right, it should not usually you preaching anyway. It's the Holy Ghost, so you might as well listen to it again. But I've got a bunch of sermons. I podcast. If you don't have any podcasts, I don't know what's wrong with you. You need to get on New Philadelphia's podcast. You need to get on Pastor Benjamin's podcast. Get on mine, you know, and, and just suck the word up. Uh, some of you, the reason that when tough times come, you, you know, uh, there was a friend of mine. She hired somebody on her staff um, or before she hired him, she made him an intern because she wanted to check him out. And so she hired this intern and um, and he came to a place where he was climbing up a ladder and uh, he was fixing a light. And when he fixed the light, uh, he, he grabbed it and it electrocuted him. He fell down and he started cussing. Like, F this and you know, and then she saw him and he turned that F this into a shot. <laughs> Uh, and I love what she said when she tells that story. She didn't hire him, needless to say. Um, she said, it's, it's tough times that bring out of you what's already in you. So if when you get angry, you start cussing everybody out and middle finger. No, they didn't make you do that. It's it was already in you. So what am I saying? Some of you need to get so filled up with the word that when the enemy comes, you don't need counseling. Leave me alone. You don't need a prophetic word. You have a Bible you can read. There's a whole book of prophetic words right there. I got three people to help me on that one. The rest of y'all are mad. So some of you, you just need to go back there, buy stuff, and, and just get some resources and fill yourself up with the word. So that when tough times come, you're not all breaking down and having a heart attack every two months. So this, uh, this DVD, I'm going to come close. Stand far. I don't stink tonight. Um... This DVD, I preached in uh, Jiguchun Church, which is a, a really, uh, I told you, conservative Baptist church. <laughs> um, 
over in uh, in Washington D.C. area. We had uh, about 700 young people come together. Half of them didn't know Christ, um, and they were coming together for a basketball tournament. And um, I preached this message, and it's called a whore's love story. Now, this message, somebody like that. <laughs> I love being in Korea because only in Korea you hear oh, <laughs> fob. Amen. Um, so this message right here. Uh, there's a funny story that I won't tell on the mic, but if you want to know the story, I'll tell you to the side. It's a funny story. Um, but there's a, uh, this, this message right here. I talk about um, God marrying the church again. Um, I, I don't know about you, but there's a couple of prophetic words I just don't want. I don't want God to speak to me through a prophet that I need to marry a prostitute. That's just not a, pro- a prophetic word that I, I want. Um, but God speaks to one of the prophets and said, I want you to go marry the whore. Uh, the harlot, that's basically what a whore is. Um, I want you to marry the one who slept around. And so, you know, he, this is an esteemed man, esteemed prophet, man of God, and he goes and marries the whore. She runs away because I told you yesterday that it's easy for you to get out of Egypt, but it's a lot harder for Egypt to get out of you. You can be out of the place and be in the process of deliverance, but deliverance isn't complete until your affections are set on him. And, and I love it because um, when, when, he, when she turns away, she goes and runs away and she starts selling her body again. And the Bible says that God says, oh, oh no, you can't give up. <laughs> you got to go marry her again. And here's what I want you to know, that God is so violently after you. that. The, and when I was taught, Pastor Christian, when I was a little kid, they said, um, don't go to the club. Because when you go into the club, Jesus waits outside for you. And he's waiting for you to finish your sin and you're going to come back. Now, that sounded really cute before I read the Bible. Um, but I heard David say, well, even though I make my bed in hell, you'll still be with me. So when Jesus died, see, the problem with us, we think God's afraid of sin. Oh, man, mess up your theology tonight. I don't know which translation you read, but in my English translation, it says that he conquered sin. He conquered it. God's not afraid of sin. He's not afraid of your mess up and your screw ups. And a lot of times we stay away from God because we think God doesn't want somebody like me. God, it's not Jehovah's surprise. He saw you mess up when he was on the cross. He knew that website you were going to figure out you were going to head over to. Don't look at your neighbor, but he knew what you were going to do. He knew that you were going to date her and she wasn't saved. And he still said, I'm going to come after you and I'm not going to give up in you. Because we were taught that we should believe in God, but we've forgotten that God believes in us. I just might as well preach this, uh, this sermon tonight. But anyway, I won't give the whole sermon away. But this sermon is called A Whore's Love Story. Why don't you give that to somebody? Uh, and I'm going to give away one more CD. I always feel bad because they're, they're just going to attack you. That's why, that's why I don't do it. Uh, I got a couple of emails um, uh, uh, for people who wanted to hear my testimony. And I have a powerful testimony. God, uh, uh, the fact that I grew up in church and I'm still saved, that's one testimony. <laughs> uh, but grew up in church, lost my mom when I was four years old, lost my dad same age. Me and my two older sisters, my younger brother, uh, we were raised in an abusive household, bruised and beaten up. Um, sexually molested at the age of nine. Before I had finished middle school, I, I tried to commit suicide two and three times. I uh, got into high school, and before I would ever graduate, I was not only addicted to pornography, but it grew to the point that I was addicted to sex and stole thousands of dollars to feed that addiction. Um, ended up selling my body when it was a lot smaller. Um, yeah, it's okay to laugh. Some of you are like, I don't know if I should laugh. Let me tell you, one of the things that you know that you're really free is that you're able to have the freedom to share your story. So, people come up to me, Pastor Dell. you know, I would tell my testimony, but I don't really feel led. Take a pencil, poke yourself and feel led. Some of you get that on the way home. One of the signs of real freedom is that you're able to see the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say, 
Try that again. Let the redeemed the Lord say. So. What does so mean? It means devil, you want to come against me? So. <laughs> Let the redeemed of the Lord say what God's done. How dare you keep it to yourself what God's done for you. And my story is that and, and God delivered me from a whole bunch of stuff. It, it's a shocker that I'm a, I think the devil looks and goes, no, I don't believe it. When I got saved, the devil said, man, we've lost a good one today. So this story, this story, it's a sermon and it's a sermon. It's not just about being delivered from the sin, but it's the being delivered from religion. I know a lot of you hear me say that I hate religion, but I, I, I used to be religious. Still got a little bit that I'm working on right now. Um, and God broke a lot of fear of man off my life. And that if there's somebody who needs deliverance, you need to hear that, that there is a dad that loves you in spite of your screw ups. I grew up under a, a religious system where um, I, I was taught and I was I was taught, but I was never father. God came to tell me that I'm going to be a father to the fatherless. And the revelation that I have a, not a, a, da- a father, but I have a daddy. I have an Abba. I have Appa, as you say in, in Korean. I have someone that I can cry out to. See, a lot of us don't want to call God Appa. See, we grew up. I know a little bit about Koreans. I know how crazy y'all are. But you grew up and, and you, there was a point where you no longer called your father Appa. You called him Abuji because it came to a point where you should show him respect. You know what that really did? It really said that I'm not as dependent on you as I was when I was a little kid. And what God wants to give you a revelation is that you cannot be independent, that you live, you breathe, and you move. Not in your bank account, not in your job, not in your 401k plan. You live, you breathe, and you move in the fact that you have a, the thing that so, some of you are so bound by fear, you, you're afraid to put on the wrong color in the morning. What breaks away fear? He says, you're no longer bound by fear, but we cry what? Abba, Father. The thing that breaks off fear in your life is knowing that I'm, I may be screwed up. I may be messed up but I'm still a son. Catch this. I'll give you one more piece of revelation and then we'll just go ahead. Catch this. I caught something the other day as I was reading the story of the prodigal son because I'm getting ready to teach it to my young people. And as I was reading it, I noticed some language change that before the prodigal son left, he would always say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me this, give me that. And that's how a lot of us are. When he came back after being humbled and being to a place where he had to eat from the pigsty, he came back and his thing wasn't give me, give me, it was make me. What am I saying? I'm saying when you transition from the place of being an orphan to the place of being a son, you're not worried about God giving you your daily bread because you know he's dad. You don't have to ask him to feed you. When I came and six o'clock hit at my house when I was six years old, I didn't have to look, look at my grandmother and say, can you please feed me? I just don't know if you're going to feed me today. But I'm going to believe that you're going to feed me today. I'm, I'm going to even fast that you're going to feed me today. I'm going to press through. Some of you would do a lot less fasting if you just believed that God was dad. And you have to come to a place of dependency to realize that he's your appa father. He's your daddy. He's papa. He's, he's, he's the big man. And so when the prodigal son comes back home, catch this. This blew me away. When the prodigal son left, all he left with was his inheritance. When he came back, he had royalty robed on him. He had a ring and he had a party and just as much as inheritance as he did before he left. Catch this. God says, even though you screwed up and you deserve to be messed up and you deserve to still be stuck and addicted, you deserve to still be broken. I told you not to date him and now you're depressed. You deserve to be depressed. But. The grace of God says, 
go get him a robe and a ring and let's eat some chapche and yuki jong some kalbi oh glory i'm getting in the heavenlies now and let's just call it a party Somebody ought to get excited that even though I messed up, he adopted me before I messed up and knew I was going to mess up and said, it's all right with me. I still love you because I love you. Come on. Anyway, who wants this message? Then I'm going to keep it. You go buy it. Amen. (laughs) Go ahead. Get that way. (laughs) Amen. Oh, it's all sold out. That is the last one. Give me that back. Amen. I'll sell that for 70. I'm just... She's like, Negro, I will kick you in the face. <laughs> Amen. One more thing before I get started. I want to share a little bit, just a, just a minute about Mahal and what we're doing. I, I love Joe. See, Joe, Joe is not one of us, Pastor Christian. He's not a real Pentecostal. He speaks in tongues, but he does it in his closet. You know, a real Pentecostal will be walking down the grocery store and Shonda and everything and calling down the high prices of gas. Come on. You know you've been at the gas station speaking in more tongues than you've ever done at a prayer meeting. In Jesus' name, I call these demonic prices down. But see, Joe, Joe's not one of us. He just likes to fake it when he's around one of us. You know, he'll throw in a shot or an E. coli or something every now and then. Mama, my knee hurts, you know. Um, and and, and I, love, I love it because seeing Joe up here, you guys don't know this, and he's not just saying that. Joe will never, ever take an offering. Never, ever take an offering. He just hates it. He's seen it abused. He's raised up in church just as much as I am. And because he's older, he's had more experience. He's real old. Um, it's okay. It's all right. Bless God. He's chronologically challenged. That's what I'll say. But I love it. And I was almost into tears but when, just seeing Joe up here receiving an offering because I know how humbling it is for him. But I know he knows the need. When we decided to take on this project and buy the mansion, it's an amazing uh, place. And there's some parts that need to be renovated, but most of it has marble flooring and marble walling. It has um, nice stuff. And a lot of times people will say, you don't need all that. Just buy the bare minimums. But here's what I found out from Jesus. He said, what you do to the least of these, you do unto me. So I told our staff, I said, we're not going to give Jesus some half, but that's what I'll say for you guys. We won't give it to him. I just refuse to. Jesus has paid too much of a price for me to say that's all I got. Some of you in this room were disobedient and God told you to give mm-hmm and you gave mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not afraid to talk about offering because I'm a giver. The reason I don't have money in my bank account is not because I'm bad at stewarding finances. It's because I have an addiction. It's called giving. <laughs> I just love it. And God, fun- God funds my addiction. <laughs> it does. That's the one he likes. <laughs> That's an original thought right there. That's right. <laughs> you like that, right? Didn't, I didn't steal that from a preacher. No, you, just make sure you quote me. Just quote me. Just make sure you quote me. I like that. <laughs> I told somebody, here's how it goes with quotes. The first time I'll quote you. The second time I'll say somebody told me. The third time, it's mine. It's mine. <laughs> But, but God is so good because we have this opportunity. There's a bunch of, and, and some of us, there's some people like Diane, we, I don't know where you are, but Diane, Weed, and, and my friend Inshawn here, and, um, uh, Joe, Aaron, there's a bunch of people, Justin, um, Yuri, who are going with us to the Philippines. We'll get a chance to see. But there's this area called Subic, and it's kind of American. It's like Itaewon. A lot of Americans hang out there. But there's these street kids, and they look like me. They're black. <laughs> Amen. You saw them up there. Um, and, and those are the aboriginal Filipinos. And they're really disowned by the community. Uh, because they're darker. Because they're, they're called lazy. They're called all that stuff. Um, and and I've, you, I don't understand. Like, I, I, I can't. I don't know what's wrong with people. 
who can walk through extreme poverty and think that they pay their missions pastor to take care of it. I just, I just don't get it. I don't get how you can call yourself a believer, see need all around you and keep buying the thousand dollar mascara. Yeah. We're not taking another offering, are we? Because I probably just messed it up. I just don't understand. I, I just had to live differently. I used to think that God called believers to be rich. I'm going to mess some of you up right now. I used to think that God called believers to be rich, but I've, I've since then changed how I view God in that. I don't feel like he calls people as believers to be rich. I do believe he calls people to steward high amounts of finances. God will never get money to you if he can't get it through you. And you've got to understand that some of you are broke, busted, and disgusted because you stayed giving God the dollar tip every offering. You don't tithe, you don't give. You, if, if you haven't given to the point where it hurts at some point in your life, you are missing a blessing in God. And I'm not talking about giving money to me because I've got enough. When I got a plane ticket and a home that I can go to, and I don't need your... Well, if you want to bless me, go ahead. <laughs> I don't want to mess it up. But some of you can give extremely big. You can, you can get stuff together. I know one of the things that Joe didn't talk about is that we've got four ways that you can get involved. My favorite way is you can donate. That's just the easiest. Just give us money. Um, the second way is that you can come to the Philippines with us. Actually, even on this trip next week, we've got one more spot open that if somebody wants to take it. I think we have two spots open. Um, and, and we make it really cheap. You just buy your plane ticket. You give us 500 bucks for the deposit. And then we, you t- we take you with us. Um, and I told people, they said, well, do I need training or anything? I said, we'll give you 30 seconds of training when you get off the plane. <laughs> They said, how do, you, how do you give us 30 seconds of training? I said, here's our training right here. Reach out your arms. Now put them together. That's how you do it. That's all. Catch this. The, the actual word mahal, it doesn't just mean love. After I picked that to name our foundation, I found out that it also means expensive in the Tagalog language. Catch this. God spoke to me. He said, it wasn't you who picked the name. It was me who picked the name because I want people to know that love is going to cost you something. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. You love God. Prove it. You're dating her for three years and you still haven't married her. If you love her, prove it. Man, I feel... Look, I see some girlfriends looking at their boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Let me just slip that in there. If you've been dating him, ladies, for two years and he hasn't married you, he's just playing. He's just playing. Oh, somebody's sweating tonight. Somebody... Even Beyonce knows you just put a ring on it. You just put, and she ain't even saved. Maybe she's 50% saved. And so you can donate, you can come to the Philippines, you can host an event. A lot of times we have people, I had one girl come to me eight years old and she said, Hey, Pastor Del, I really want to give, but I'm only eight years old. And you know, I have my piggy bank, but there's only a couple dollars in there. Um, can I do some stuff for you? Like a fundraiser? I said, Oh, that's cute. Go ahead, just do your little fundraisers. This girl, eight years old, in three months, raised $8,000 by baking cookies. Baking cookies. (laughs) 
And some of you, you can do something big. You have talents, you have giftings, you have the opportunity to do something big. Maybe you don't have the amount in the bank account that you want to give, but you can raise that amount. We have one of the things that we force our people to do. We say, we need you to fundraise. We want you to actually humble yourself and ask people for money. A lot of times the reason we don't want to fundraise and ask people for money is because we are so proud and we say we don't need anybody's help. When you go to missions, you ought to fundraise at least 50% of it just to humble your heart. Even if you do have the money, come on, talk to me. And so we want you to host an event, do something. If it's as small as a dinner and you get a couple hundred dollars together, I guarantee you we will do more than, with that dollar than, than you could do with it. Just, just go to the website. You can check out some stuff there. It's helpmahal.org. And there's one more way you can get involved, and that's by becoming an ambassador. Joe is an ambassador for us. We have ambassadors um, all over the world. We have uh, Apple Diap, who's uh, one of the people who are part of uh, Black Eyed Peas. We have um, a bunch of YouTube artists. We've got all kinds of folks. We've had senators and princesses and different people who really take on our cause. God's given us so much favor he's just and i'm talking about with the with the wicked in our organization more unbelievers have given than believers and that's not i'm not trying to beat you up or anything but i'm saying look how amazing god is that he says i really will take the wealth of the wicked and make it stored up for the righteous come on it's about they've been taking our money for years it's my time we start taking theirs we got to pay taxes we, we got to shop at, you know, the H&M and the different secular arenas. I'm not saying that it's bad, but I'm saying that we ought to start taking some of their money. Do you know how mad it makes the devil? And I'm preaching about this tonight, but you know how mad it makes the devil when you go to his territory and take his stuff? Some of you, man, I just, I just, I ought to just preach. I'll just preach. But you, I want you to really pray about getting more involved with us and, and going on a trip. If you want to go on that trip with us, uh, go to the back and uh, Yuri will be back there after the service. Um, and she'll be able to get your information and all that stuff. And we'll make it happen even before I leave if you have the finances. you got to have the money. Don't be writing me one of them faith, faith checks. I've had some people write me faith checks and I want to slap them in the natural. <laughs> I'm going to slap you by faith. Jesus. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house? Why don't you do this? Stand on your feet with me. Grab your Bibles. I'll tell you what Britney Spears told her last husband. I'm not going to keep you long. Just laugh. Just laugh. Just turn to him wearing your Bible. It's all good. Is, uh, is Daniel Sook here? I thought I saw you. Oh, there you go. Um, I want to prophesy over you. The Lord showed me um, that he's... Uh, and if you guys haven't checked out today's... Is it today's word? I heard you get mad when somebody says a word of the day. <laughs> so I got to watch out. Um, but the Lord says, don't you dare be discouraged in small beginnings. He says, if you'll honor the small beginnings, you're going to honor the big days. Because there is favor on your life like it was on Daniel. That you're going to stand before kings and princes. And you're going to teach us in the church how to stand before kings and princes. The Lord says there are even some people that you've got to get off of you that are leeches. Um, and there are some people that, that you're going to have to break relationship in time. Um, but don't be discouraged because I'm going to bring the help that you need. I'm going to bring the finances. I, I feel like um, you're just want like you're going to get phone calls and you're going to get different stuff uh, with, you know, with the website and different things. But I feel like God says um, even to the effect that Sesame Street made on an entire generation, I'm going to raise up today's word to do the same thing. 
Um, I'm going to use today's word to bring salvation to many. I'm going to do crazy, amazing things. And the Lord says, I bless you because of your humble heart. If you'll stay teachable, if you'll stay humble, if you'll stay receiving, I'll raise you up to levels that people have only dreamed of. There is, I want to encourage you tonight. I don't want you to dare be discouraged. I break off discouragement off of you right now in Jesus' name. And I declare that when darkness wants to come and override, that you're going to stand on this word and you're going to believe God's promises. Because it's been hard. You had to deal with some stuff even in your family that nobody knows about. You've had to deal with secret issues. But the Spirit of the Lord says, I'm coming even to bring restoration and healing to your heart tonight. You can't dance around it. You can't work hard around it. I'm going to restore some things that have been lost. And you're going to say that it was the Lord who was good to me. You're going to stand before media and you're going to say it was the Lord who was good for me. You're going to stand before princes and princes and and you're going to say it was the Lord who was good for me. And Danny, I just, I really feel like the Lord says that I'm even going to give you divine strategy in this season. I'm going to up the game. And I see cameras coming to you and microphones coming to you. I see God pouring out some different stuff that people are just going to say, man, I had this old thing laying around and I I didn't know what to do with it. And I I don't feel like selling it. So I'll just give it to you. Crazy, weird things are going to happen like that because there's Daniel's favor that's on your life. So Lord, we bless that. Somebody give Jesus a big praise. I want to get through this word quick tonight. Uh, and if you guys in the front that are sitting on the floor, just take like a couple steps really close so that you're not blocking in the uh, people behind you when you're sitting down. But First Samuel chapter 30, First Samuel chapter 30, I'm reading from the New International Version. We got a lot of scripture to read tonight, but it's okay because some of y'all didn't read any this week. I told our young people, and I'll just say this, for those who think that this spiritual high is going to last just because God did it, let me tell you something. There's something you've got to do. Some of you got to just get in your word. There's no way around it. I told my mom, I said, Mom, I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. I want to see God show up. She said, Son, if you want to see it, you've got to spend time with the God of the miracles. There's no way around it. We're trying to figure out how can we get around spending time with God, spending time in our word. There's no way around it. There's not a conference that's going to help you that much. You just need to get filled up. I told our young people back home, I said, some of you are spiritual bulimics that you come into service on Sunday and you get filled up and you purge all throughout the week. Some of you are so dependent on your pastor to preach your word, but let me help you out. This is what your pastor preaching is. Not that it's bad food and it won't nourish you, but it's regurgitated. It's your pastor processing it and feeding it to you because you're a baby. You've been saved five years now. You can read English. Get in your Bible. I'm not talking about that cute little Joel Joel Osteen devotional that you get in the email every day either. I'm talking about getting in your word and studying it, devouring it. I know you're not in Bible college, but you need to pretend like you are. Get in that thing. Use Google, a map quest. I don't care. Just go for it. Somebody say amen if you're not mad. Are you mad at me yet? We got a lion spirit in here. So you're like, no, I can't say. We got a lot of scripture to read. First Samuel chapter 30. 
Now when David and his men came to Ziklag to the, on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negib and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, um, and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. I'm so glad that the enemy can steal stuff sometimes, but he can't keep it. Verse 3. And when David and his men came up to came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons, daughters taken captives. Verse four, then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives. Sometimes I look at the Old Testament and I say, Lord, I'm not that greedy. I just want one. Amen. Amen. Now, please don't write me an email or a Facebook talking about God say you're the one. had some girl write me an email and say, Pastor Dell, you just got to hear this word. She wrote me an email. She said, the Lord said that you're the one. I said, I talked to him this morning. We talked a lot of, about important things, but he never mentioned you. I told you I'm a prophet, not a pastor. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Uh, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. I like the way it says it in the New King James Version. It says, yet David encouraged himself in the Lord. Verse 7. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Hamiliak, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David and, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him. That's God. He said, pursue for you shall overtake and surely you shall be, you shall rescue. Verse nine. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him and they came to the brook Bezor where those who were left behind stayed. Skip down to verse 16. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Verse 17. And David struck them down from I like that. It doesn't even give a little prelude to it. It said he saw his stuff and then he kicked some butt. Verse 17, and David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who were mounted camels and fled. David recovered all. Somebody say recover all. all. David recovered not some of it, not a little bit, not kind of. But David recovered all. That the Amalekites had taken and David rescued his two wives. Lord, we thank you for your word. On your way down, just look at somebody and say, I want my stuff back. back. Amen. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. I want my stuff back. I want to tell you that your destiny was to give the devil hell. You were born to torture the enemy. You were born to torment devils, to crush on serpents, and to make nations your footstool. You were not created for a nine-to-five job. You were not created to take a break and be a school teacher for a year because your parents don't want to give you any more money. 
You were not created even to be a deacon. Thank God you were not created to be a deacon. I love deacons though. Except for around board meetings. But you were created to make the devil's life more miserable than it will be for all of eternity. When the enemy know, when the enemy sees you, he ought not say what he said to the seven sons of Sceva. Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who the heck are you? I love it because the Bible says that the sons of Sceva stepped in front of this demon and they said to him, We come to you in the name of Jesus to whom Paul preaches. See, most of us have a revelation of Jesus through our pastor. We have a revelation of who God is based on what our pastor tells us. And this is why our view is so skewed on God. Because God has a lot of perspectives. And he might be showing your pastor perspective of himself that he's not wanting to show you. But since you're not willing to take the discipline to go after him. Because it takes a whole lot of strength, energy, time, sometimes money. To put your eyes in a gaze so that you see the Lord. You end up seeing the wrong perspective. Some of us are mad at different movements that have happened in the past with what the Lord has done. God has done great movements amongst the Baptists. He's done great movements among the Presbyterians. He's done great movements of through the even the word of faith. And most of us look at the word of faith and we say, oh, my gosh, that's not from God. But what we don't understand is that God was showing a people a perspective of himself that not necessarily was for you. Let me speak a word just to the denominations that are in here. Shut your mouth. Because they don't shondo like you shondo, shut your mouth. Because they don't pray like you pray. Because they don't believe every single thing that you believe. You've got to understand that God shows perspective of who he is. And if you think that you have the bid on God and you know all he, there is about him, you've got a problem. That's why in Bible college, I never understood systematic theology. Because you're telling me that I can systematically understand God. I can't even understand myself. What you've got to understand that God will show perspective of himself depending on the place that you're at. And you've got to understand not to get offended by who God is. One of the hardest things for believers in our area of growth is our pride because we easily get offended by God. And if you don't, if you think I'm the only one that offends and Jesus doesn't offend, then you've got to get that Fabio Jesus out of your head. I I tell our church all the time, most of us think that God is blonde with blue eyes and he's homosexual. That he's a softy and that's the only perspective. And if you're not caring for someone and if you're not super nice to someone, then you're not like Jesus. But you forgot to read about the part where Jesus cracked the whip in the temple. I'm sorry, you can't preach around that. He was getting ready to make some cows move. You forget about the time where Jesus is walking along and a woman comes to him and says, Hey, can you pray for my daughter because she's sick? And he looks at her and calls her a dog. No, you didn't catch that. Because if you walked up to Pastor Christian and you had told him your friend needed healing and he said, hey, you're a little. You know, you, just like I would, you would walk down the street and you'd go to the church right over because you would say he's offensive and he doesn't look like Jesus. Even Jesus had an offensive side to him. And some of us are always trying to cuddle with people who don't really want to grow. Let me help leaders in cell groups. There are some people, let me tell you, Jesus was the best evangelist that there ever was. He knew the most about himself more than you knew. And even people walked away from him. What makes you think that you're going to be able to keep everybody close to Jesus? You've got to understand that the gospel stands alone by itself and it doesn't need your help. Our job is not to make it easy for people. 
That's the problem with most of our people anyway and why they give up within two years of becoming a Christian because that's not really what they signed up for. They didn't sign up for tragedy. They didn't sign up for hurt. They didn't sign up for pain because we told them that as long as you serve Jesus, your bank account is going to be full. Your kids are going to be fine. You're going to get married and you're never going to have problems. But you've got to understand that if you walk with God long enough, you're going to suffer offense. Even John the Baptist, whose whole ministry was there to prepare the way for Jesus, suffered offense. What are you talking about? The Bible says that when John the Baptist was in jail, he was in that trial situation. He sent someone to Jesus and said, Jesus, are you the one or should I look for another? And Jesus returns the message and said, blessed are those who are not offended by me. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, I I bless every person who can keep themselves from getting offended by who I am because they think they know all about me. One of the biggest problems with the religious people was that they were expecting a form of Jesus and he didn't come like that. And I want to tell all the Shonda Honda people in here that Jesus might not come with revival like you've been praying for him to come for revival. And the reason why some of us get so angry and why a lot of the movements that God wants to bring become momentums and they never go anywhere is because we end up being offended because Jesus almost never comes how we expected him to come. He most times comes through the back door. And what God does is that when he takes us through trials, you got to understand that God is trying to get you to understand not more about yourself, not more about your problems, but he's trying to get you to know another side of him. This is why Psalms 98 says it was good that I was afflicted, that I might know the decrees of the Lord. What was David saying? He was saying, if I never gone through rain, I've never known that God could be an umbrella. If I've never been sick, I'd never know that he'd be a healer. If I was never captive, I'd never be a deliverer. I wish somebody would get happy in this house. If I've never gone through anything, I've never known that God could actually bring me out when God takes you through stuff. Because here's the thing. If you're not in a trial, it's because you just got out of one or you're getting ready to go into one. I heard one bishop say, when God takes you out of, when God closes one door, he opens up another one, but it's hell in the hallway. And if you live your life as a believer long enough, if you're really living like a believer, everything shouldn't be perfect. There ought to be challenge every now and then. The reason I am fat is because my muscles have never been challenged. (laughs) Amen. Amen. The way that you grow your muscles, and I know, I'm just lazy. That's why I love it when people come up to me and try to give me workout advice. I said, my problem is not ignorance. I like eating. I told the Lord, I said, when I get to heaven, I just want you to know I use this body well to its fullest capacity. Somebody told me, you need to get in shape so that you can live a long life. I said, brother, you don't want to see Jesus in heaven. I want to go up there quick. Pass the butter. (laughs) And for all you tofu eating, water drinking, seaweed loving people, I want to see you at the altar tonight. Somebody just got mad at me. But I know my black folks are with me. I had no idea what seaweed was. They passed it to me for the first time. I said, I've seen this at the beach before. I said, next time you give me that, you need to fry it. You need to do something. I want to see preservatives. Come on. One of the demons I had to get rid of was the spirit of high cholesterol. Amen. I've been eating pork chops since I was little. I was the only third grader and with high cholesterol. I'm just messing. I love being fat because we shade in the summer and we heat in the winter. 
Amen. But if you live long enough, if you live life long enough, you will understand that there is resistance. And one of the ways that you build muscles or the way that you build muscles is that when you take weight and you begin to press against your muscles, what happens is that your muscles actually break. They rip up and the way that they grow is that they restore and they heal and they get bigger because they want to be able to take the resistance that you gave it before. What do trials do? Not only do they give you a new perspective of who God is, but the second thing it does is it builds up your holy faith. This is why you got to understand. Paul said, I press toward the mark of the high calling. What was he saying? He was saying that there's going to be some things that come against me. But the way that I'm going to get to the high mark is I've got to press. And the problem with some of you is that you're way too cute. And, and the reason why you're so cute is because God hasn't hit you hard enough to bring perseverance. Well, Pastor Dell, I don't pray like that because, you know, I'm not emotional. No, you've just not gone through enough. Because let him cut you off in the middle of the freeway. And you get a little emotional, don't you? Let, let your team, I, I, I couldn't believe this. Um, my kids who are, who are really quiet, they're, they're more laid back. I don't know why. They don't get it from me. But my kids back home, they're really quiet. They're really laid back. They don't pray really loud. They don't do all that stuff. And so I thought maybe that's just the way they are. Until I saw the Korea play, play that football game. What was it? What was it? World Cup? When I saw my kids who I couldn't pay to come to a prayer meeting. Show up in the States at 4 a.m. at my church to watch the game on the big screen. And not only were they watching the big, they, they were shouting and screaming. I said, my sermon's way more exciting than that. And I never get amens louder than that. <laughs> See, what, what most of us don't understand is that it's not a matter of being emotional. It's a matter of being obedient. Because yes, there are times where you rest in God and you're quiet, but there's times where you get violent. And the thing you've got to understand is that the violent take it by force, not the cute. I don't care what denomination you are. You need to be violent every now and then. This isn't a Pentecostal thing. This isn't a Shondo thing. This isn't a charismatic thing. This is a thing for the Baptists and the, and the Presbyterians and for the conservatives as well. Well, Pastor Dell, I just don't pray like that. Maybe God just needs to put a little bit more pressure on you. Because you take a woman who's lost her child and tell me she won't get a little violent. You've got to understand, even the Bible says in, in somewhere in the Old Testament, I can't even remember what scripture is now. But it says in the Old Testament, God says to the people of Israel, he says, I will take my hand of blessing off of you because I know that when I take my hand of blessing off of you, you'll come seeking after me. Sometimes God, and I know this isn't a popular message, but sometimes God will allow you to go through trials simply so that you can grow. And the thing he wants you to get to understand is that you can trust me. That I'm not going to put more on you than you can bear. Because I'm going to come and I'm going to build you up. You've got to understand that when God takes you through stuff, it's because he knows you can go through it. That's why I don't cry as much as I used to cry. Because when the enemy comes against me, I know. See, I told the devil, I said, devil, you're not scary at all. You're like that snake I saw on Geographics, on National Geographics. When they cut off the head of the snake, the body kept wiggling. I said, that devil, Jesus cut off your head a long time ago. I might be going through something, but I know it's just you wiggling. See, when you sickness comes to your body, you've just got to look at the devil and say, this too shall pass. You're just wiggling. You've got no power. You've got no more brain thought. I love what Dr. Youngie Cho says. He says, for 2,000 years I've been healed. For 2,000 years I've been delivered. All I've got to do, see God, what God does is that he creates a contract and he says, this is what you have. He signs it and he waits for you to agree with it. But most of us keep coming against the word of the Lord because we think we know better than God. 
Let me help you out. God's been God for a long time. Trust him. He's a lot better at your life than you are. I love it when people come to me. I told you the story. I told you the story. People come to me and they think they know better than I am. They've been saved. They, they barely, they're barely saved. I, I go, are you stupid? I've been a believer over 10 years. I know you dating that girl who's not saved is not good for you. You're 13 years old. You don't have underarm hair. Trust me on this one. I've been there. Some of you got to learn to trust God and that's why God allows you to go through stuff. And when we look at this scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm just making a salad for you. I'll cook and and feed you the main course in just a minute, but I want to lay down some foundation. The Bible says that Samuel, or rather David, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, lived in a place called Ziglag. Everybody say Ziglag. Ziglag. Now Ziglag was his hometown for the time being and that's where his family lived. And not only that, you remember... That David got together these 300 men who were depressed and oppressed and broke and busted and disgusted. And he made an army out of that. And I want to tell you that if your pastor is a real pastor, he'll take you even if you're busted and make you a warrior. You need to be under leaders that cause you to grow. If you've been at the church for three years and you still come to church only on Sunday and you never evangelize and you're not growing. Your ability to grow is not the more memorization of scriptures. It's what you're doing with those scriptures. And if your leader, if your pastor is not calling you to grow, I hate to tell you, you might just have to change churches. That was for free. But David takes these 300 men and they're all living in community and they're fighting together. And that's one of the ways that you create communities that you put a fight together. You fight against something together and they create this community. And the Bible says that the enemy comes, the Philist- or the, the, the Amalekites come and they raid their place called Ziklag and they take the wives and they take the children. What, what does that represent to us? What God, what's God trying to tell us? Number one, he takes the children. What does the enemy want to steal from you? Your legacy. He wants to steal from you your destiny. One of the things that we teach at Mahal, we don't want to just feed you a fish. We don't want to just teach you how to fish. We want to teach you how to build a fishing corporation. We want to teach you how to build a fishing legacy that's bigger than you. And see, some of you are so single-minded and you're so focused on yourself. And you've had 24 years to do this life thing and you're still not good at it. You've got to understand that you need to be building a legacy. What are you doing right now that's going to last? If you were to die right now, what lasts? (laughs) Say, outro, amen. One of the two. I just want to make sure you're still alive. (laughs) Thank you. The number one, the first thing that the enemy will steal is your children. He'll steal your offspring. He'll still see and to have children back in this day was a huge thing because they carried your name. They carried your legacy. The David was angry because his legacy was being stolen. Nothing that he did would ever last through the generation. I got to ask you, are you mad? Are you okay with it? First thing he'll steal is your legacy. But understand that a child is only birth. Through conception and intimacy. The second thing that the real enemy wants to steal is your intimacy. That's his wives. He'll make you too busy to spend time with God. He'll make you want to do overtime more than you'll want to spend with God. He'll make you take that vacation back home and see your family because they're your real God and you don't really want to go to missions. I'm going to help you out, Pastor Christian. You have a big missions team this year. The enemy wants to make you too busy to be intimate. And some of us in our lives don't even have time to spend five minutes in the scripture. And we can't understand why we're so spiritually anorexic. That when the enemy cuts, I see some people, they get a headache and want to leave God. Pastor didn't preach the right message and they want to leave God. You're weak. 
Why did you leave the church? Pastor, I left the church because the pastor, yeah, I mean, he, I just wasn't being fed right. You know who gets fed in my house? The sick and the infirmed. Which one are you? <laughs> pastor, Del, I just need a prophecy. Can you give me a prophetic word? Do I look like a psychic to you? <laughs> I know I'm black, but I'm not Miss Cleo. <laughs> you want a prophecy. You're 25 years old. You can read and you have a Bible. Get one for yourself. See, I need to make you, I need to make you less dependent on your leadership to grow. I told my young people, if I die in a car accident tomorrow, and I'm not, I got too many prophecies. That's one way. Every time I get on a plane and that tribulation, no tur- what do you call it? Turbulence starts going. I, tribulation. It's tribulation. But every time that turbulence starts going, I start remembering all my prophecies and I say, God, I can't die because this one hasn't come to pass. That one hasn't come to pass. That one hasn't come to pass. But I tell my young people, I said, if I were to die tomorrow and that you would never have me as a pastor and you get some weak, conservative, don't believe in the, you know, believe in the Father, Son and Holy Bible. Um, if you get some kind of preacher in here, are you still going to lose your faith? If your pastor wasn't your pastor, would you give up? See, you've got to understand that your walk can no longer be dependent on other people. Some of you are way too dependent on your cell group to grow. You're way too dependent on what the pastor has as a program for you to grow. I want to tell you, you're not in a relationship. You're in a nice nonprofit and you pay your dues called tithes and you show up to membership meeting every Sunday morning. Come on, talk to me now. Don't get quiet on me. I will preach harder if you don't talk to me. I told Pastor Christian I was going to try not to be offensive today, but I don't think that's going to work. Because I'm sick of preaching the same sermons over and over and everybody not doing what I said. It's interesting. Every Sunday, you've been going to church. How many Sundays have you had? If you would just take 50% of it and do some of it. What are you doing? Let me look at my notes. I'll look at my notes. They don't say amen. Move on. All right. So the enemy steals his children and he steals his wives. He steals his intimacy and his ability to to procreate and and to bring forth fruit. Because understand that fruit only comes out of intimacy. Real fruit. Real fruit in the Lord only comes out of intimacy. It doesn't come in your ability to graduate from cemetery. I mean seminary. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't come from you just getting more, more CDs and more stuff. It comes from intimacy, spending time with God, those awkward moments. See, when you're intimate, see, I remember when I, I've only been in one relationship and it didn't really work out well, so I'm probably have to try it again. But when I was in a relationship, there were these awkward moments. But when you're willing to be intimate with someone, you're willing to go through those awkward moments. And some of us give up because it's awkward between us and God. Because God likes to play hard to get. He's like some of you women out there. Because you know, brothers, you take her out and, and she comes to dinner and you just pay $50 and she eats a french fry and she's full. Come on. I don't want one of those cute women. But you know she's faking because as soon as she goes home, she devours about half the kitchen and that Coke bottle turns into a milk bottle. Come on. I'm just messing. <laughs> but if your girlfriend turns from a Coke bottle to a milk bottle, you still got to love her. <laughs> But what is that girl doing? She's just trying to give you a piece of yourself. She's trying to give you a preview, a trailer to the real movie. Too bad she only shows the good size. Doesn't show the side where she go punch you in the face and, you know, all that stuff. 
God's the same way. God never just puts himself out there. If you don't believe me, ask Moses because he said, I wanted to see the glory and God showed him his butt. Every time I fart, I say, here comes the glory. Shekinah. (laughs) Amen. Did I mention I never usually get invited more than once to preach somewhere? (laughs) But God is just like some of you women. He shows himself in pieces. And he wants to know if you're patient enough to press through to get to see his presence. See, see, you got to understand, you cannot understand, you cannot understand intimacy with God unless you're in covenant. That's why I had to preach that first message for you. Because if God won't let you sleep with someone outside of covenant, what makes you think that you're going to be able to sleep with him outside of covenant? Intimacy comes through covenant. And if you're not willing to make a promise to say, God, I'm not going to sleep with another. You're not willing to be ready for the intimacy that God has for you. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to destroy the source of your ability to procreate, which is intimacy. There's no way around it. You've got to pray. More than five minutes. I asked my young people, if I stood in front of my TV and I watched my favorite show 30 minutes every day, would you think that I was worshiping TV? He said, no, you wouldn't worship TV because it's only 30 minutes. I said, you spend 30 minutes with God every day and you think you're worshiping him. I got a lot of one-liners. I got a lot of them. (laughs) We're not hungry enough because we've gotten comfortable. And I'll just throw this in there for free and then I'll go back to my notes. The Bible says that when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, that he tried to get his boys, his three most intimate ones, Peter and all the rest of them, he tried to get them to pray and they kept falling asleep. Why did they keep falling asleep? See, they were at a place where Peter would have done anything for Jesus. He would have gone anywhere for Jesus. But what happened to Peter? How come he was falling asleep? You know what happened? The woman with the issue of blood happened. You know what else happened? Jesus walked on water. You know what happened? Jesus started raising people from the dead. You know what happened with Peter and why he couldn't stay awake to press through, to press through on Jesus' behalf was because he got too comfortable with him. And some of you, the reason you're at the place that you're at, because you've been a Christian for a long time and you think you have it all down pat. You can never become a professional at the glory of God. You've got to stay an amateur. I told somebody one time, I said, I'd rather be an amateur at the new glory of God than a professional at the past glory of God. That's what makes some of us so religious. Listen, that's what messes some of us up because we take movements and turn them into monuments. We take what God used to do in our life and we keep doing it. And we don't understand that God, even though he changes, is not. He's chasing and you've got to go after him. He never stays in the place. It's like he's got ADHD or something. So the Bible says that his wives and his children, are you still with me? His wives and his children had been stolen and taken away. And then not only that, but when the trial came, it's interesting that sometimes the closest people who are around you will turn against you. See, you know who your real friends are because they love you while you got money. But when you turn broke, you can't borrow money from nobody. I'm just helping somebody out. I'm going to let you know who your real friends are. Had somebody came to me as, you know... I told you already, the hardest spirit to counsel is the stupid one. And people sit in my office and they whine and cry. As you can see, I don't really like counseling. They whine and cry. And, and, and you know, I have one guy or one, one girl. And it's always you ladies. Jesus. I, have, I had one lady come into my office and just Aaron said, I better watch it. <laughs> they haven't given me my honorarium yet, so I got to be careful. Um, 
one girl come into my office um, and, and, or sorry, one, one guy come into my office, one of my leaders, and he came into my office um, and, and he was with this girl. And, I, and I, I told him, I said, I said, you don't need to be with her. But Pastor Dell, she goes to church. She's a Christian. I said, I go to McDonald's. Do I look like a cheeseburger? He, he said, well, at least you have layers. <laughs> I said, slap you myself. I said, I said, you don't need to be dating her. So, and, and so when he left my office, I said, I'm actually going to intercede that you would break up with her. No, I'm going to intercede that she would dump you. <laughs> Pastor Dell, that's just mean. No, you're just stupid. Some of you need a reality check. I'm here to give, I'm, but I'm not your pastor, so I can hit and run. I'm going to say everything your pastor wants to tell you. Some of you think that you're super Christian and that the church needs you because you're the biggest tither. Let me tell you something. Jesus will snip you out in a second. Yeah, he's a God of love, but he's a God of justice. And you get an attitude, he'll do with you what my grandmother used to do with me. Slap the... <laughs> grandmother said to me one time, she said, do you want to be white, son? I said, what are you talking about? She said, I will knock the color off of you. She told me another time, she said, I'll knock you in the next week just so that I can bring you back and you can tell me what's about to happen. (laughs) You got to be raised with a little grandmother like mine. You'll get a lot of deliverance. I'm telling you, I'll just say this and uh, this sounds joking, but I'm serious. Being raised in a black church did so much better for me. And I, I, listen, I'm not being racist or anything, but the way black people talk to each other, we're just more aggressive. We're more in your face. And the reason why you can't change is because everybody's petted you. Oh, you're so perfect. Oh, I know you're struggling. You're not struggling. You're in sin. My, in my church, you couldn't have a homosexual leading worship. In, in my church, you, you couldn't be a deacon who was struggling with adultery. And then you're struggling. No, you're not struggling. You're in sin. In my church, everybody had to do something and you didn't get paid for it. Oh, let me talk to you. You, you want to be volunteers. This is, I don't know what I'm preaching now, but I'm so angry. Everybody wants to get paid. You're a choir director and you want to get paid. And let me talk to some of you who are getting paid. What are you doing that you're not getting paid for? Come on, talk to me. Because I'm angry trying to get people to start a cell group, trying to do this, trying to come early so that you can be an usher. You're too good to be an usher. <sighs> Let me stop. No, I got one more thing. People come up to me and say, I don't, I don't, I don't have time to do it. No, no, no. You have time. You just have a different God. Because I can tell who your God is by where you spend your time and where you spend your money. Show me your checkbook and your calendar and I'll tell you who your God is. For some of you, your God is food. And let me help you out. For some of you, your God is fellowship. You're loner and you need social ability. And the only reason you go to church is because you have friends there. I'm getting in trouble now. No, because Jesus didn't die for this. He didn't die so we could pretend like we're all perfect. Let me tell you, you're screwed up just like I am. You need help. And if you think you're all together, I don't give you a, a deacon, a gypsy name, or some other name. You've got to get your act together. Come on. You, you can't come for another counseling session if you're not going to listen to the advice. 
I feel him leaving. I feel him leaving. Where was I at? First Samuel chapter 30. His friends come against him. He loses his children. He loses his wife. So he loses his ability to procreate through intimacy. He loses his legacy. And now he loses his covenant partners. He's all alone. Sometimes God will put you into a place where it's only you. You're backed up against the wall and there's no one who can give you advice that's good enough. I mean, they're giving you advice that seems like it's reasonable and that if you do, but it just doesn't. Have you ever been there? What's God trying to do? Catch what David did. He didn't call up the prayer hotline. He didn't check out the latest podcast. He didn't go to the prophecy conference. What did David said? He said, give me, give me the ephod. What was the ephod? See, the ephod, one of the things that I love about the ephod, one of the cool things is that it had these clips that connected it together. And on the clips, 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 I'm speaking in tongues now. On the clips, it had the names of the tribes of Israel. And the ephod meant that you could be a priest. If you were a priest, you put on the ephod and you go before the Lord. Two things I want to tell you. The first thing that he did was that he asked for the ephod. What was he doing? Number one, he was going to a place of prayer, of seeking God. I told you, there's no way around it. You've got to get to it. But catch this. The second thing, what was on there? It was clips of uh, of the children of Israel and and the tribes they were in. What What was there? See, some of you are so punked out because you forget what God did for you. The Bible says in, in Judges, I, I wish I could remember where it was, but it says in Judges that, 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 that there was a whole generation that did not serve the Lord because their forefathers had not told them of the works that God had done. See, you've got to, see, one of the reasons I'm not afraid of the devil is because I have a spiritual resume that I know God's brought me out of some stuff before and he's going to be able to bring me out. I know you feel like dying, but you felt like dying back there and you're still here. Some of you need to pinch yourself and say, I can't give up. I'm still alive. Somebody knows what I'm talking about, that you ought to be dead, stuck in your grave. You ought to be somewhere sleeping around. You ought to be somewhere with an STD or an HIV. Come on, don't look at me like that. You know you ought to be somewhere where you don't do what you really deserve. But God has brought you out. David had to put on the ephod in a place of prayer that said, if God could do it for the 12 tribes of Israel, I know he can do it for me. Last thing that was in the ephod. I wish I could remember off the top of my head. There were these two jewels that he would shake. And he'd toss them out. You can read it up there later. And he could toss it out. And it would tell him what to do. What does that represent? You cannot make it over without his favor. It wasn't a place of luck. It was God giving you direction. That thing represents a place of favor. And some of you are backed up against the wall. And you've only gone so far. Because the next level for you to go, you're going to need favor. You're going to just need God to drop something on somebody's heart to give you that thousand dollars. You're going to need somebody to tell you, here's the car. I know I just I don't know why I'm doing this, but God told me to do it. You just need that favor. Are you still with me? All right. I'm I'm boring anybody. Okay. if your neighbor's sleeping, just say, what's wrong with you? But catch this. (laughs) He's not sleeping. He's Korean. I had to get at least one Asian joke As many fried chicken jokes as I got from Christian I had to get one Asian 
Come on. Looking like a bunch of wee characters out there. Amen. Was, that wasn't good, huh? That wasn't. I shouldn't have done that one. I love telling racist jokes because it only really makes the white people uncomfortable. Look at all the white people turning red. (laughs) Jesus, help them. (laughs) I love them. Come on, ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing wrong. But catch it. Let's go back to the scriptures. (laughs) Sometimes I yell at white people like, please go back to the scriptures. (laughs) White people, I love you. You're the reason I'm in America. I'm done. I'm done. All right, Jesus. Oh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I see a few Korean people who were born here who are like, I don't get none of this. I don't know. I don't know what's going on right now. Jesus. I'm glad I don't have a translator. You can't really translate that one. Did I tell you I was preaching from the Bible? Did I tell you? Catch this. All right. I got another one, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, look at it. We got racist people out there. Like, come on, say it. Say it. I will give you money. Say it. I hope there's no more pastors in here because I just lost them right there. Did I tell you we're talking about David? So David, I don't know how we're going to recover from this one. (laughs) So David gets his voice and I love how he goes before God. Some of you are so dishonest with God. You just come to God like he just doesn't know what's happening. You're struggling and you're depressed and you're fake, praying all those fake scriptures that you don't really believe. Oh God, I know you are my joy. And I trust in you. Like God don't know you're lying. He knows you don't feel like trusting in him. See, you got to understand something. That the place of prayer is the only place that you don't have to be theologically accurate. And I can prove it to you because David, through half the Psalms, was trying to kill everybody. Place Prayer is not the place of theological accuracy. It's the place of honesty. It's for you to be able to come to God and say, God, I feel like knocking the crap out of him. I can't stand that boss. And if I could kill him, I would. You're lucky I don't have enough money. But God, I need you to help me. You know, I don't want him to come to the family Christmas party. You know, I can't stand my pastor right now. I know you never prayed that. But it is in the place of prayer that you've got to be honest. And if you're not willing to be honest, Jesus will make you honest. I know it's true. Because he stood before blind blind Bartimaeus and said, what is it you want? Blind Bartimaeus is sitting up there blind, wondering, is Jesus stupid? (laughs) What do you mean, what do I want? 
What does it look like I want? And Jesus is constantly trying to get you to be honest, number one, with yourself. Because let me tell you something. In case you didn't know, he knows it already. When God ever asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know. It's because you don't. That's why when Jesus, when God came down in the garden to talk to Adam and Eve, he said, Adam, where are you? It wasn't because God was bad at playing hide and go seek. It's because Adam had forgotten where God had put him. Come on. So I love it because David doesn't even need to go to a place where God has to say, hey, David, what do you want? And see, that's how some of us, that's why we can't get breakthrough because that's what some of us want. We want God to sit up there and babysit us. Oh, come on, baby. Oh, 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 you're struggling. Oh, you want me to help you? Oh, that's so bad. Oh, mm. Let me help you out. He's not Oprah. One of the reasons I can't stand babies. It's, sometimes I look at a little nine-month-old who's crying, and I just say, say it! What do you want? Open up your point. Something. Amen. Did I mention I usually never come back to preach at the same church? Did I? I don't need, that wasn't even in my notes. Where am I? Jesus, oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. Give me strength, man. Thank God we don't have another day tomorrow. Nobody would come back tomorrow. <laughs> um, catch this. I don't know how we're so... I'm going to try to move on. Just stick with me. <laughs> um, David goes before God and he says to God, Can I pursue? And not only shall I pursue, but will I overtake? God, I don't want to be fighting battles that I can't win. Some of us are fighting battles that God never told us to fight. And we can't understand why we overcome, can't overcome. I was talking to a pastor who, who told me, and I'm, I don't think this is true of everybody, but I knew specifically for him this was not the will of God. And he was in a church that God didn't want him to be in for about 10 years pastoring there. And he was struggling and he was depressed all the time. And I said, it's not the will of God for you to be depressed. It's not the will of God for you to struggle. And I knew specifically by the Spirit that it was not God's will. And he told me, well, I just want to fight this battle. I said, it's not just about fighting battles. It's about fighting God's battles. Because when you get to heaven, God's not going to say, how much did you do for me? He's going to say, how much did you do that I told you to do? I know that you think you're noble. But is it what God told you to do? He's not going to say, hey, you were a great pastor. He's going to say, you were supposed to be an usher. He's not going to say you were an amazing teacher. He was going to say, I didn't tell you to be a teacher. He's going to say, I didn't tell you to be a banker. What did I tell you to do? And I love it when Moses says, God, I will not go lest your spirit goes before me. Some of you are fighting the wrong battles that God never gave you permission to fight. And David says, God, I want to fight your battles and only your battles. And I love it because David goes before God and he asks him and God Gives him this answer. He doesn't say recover some of it. He doesn't say cover a little bit. He doesn't say, I want you to, you know, just get the interest off of it. He says, I want you to recover everything. Stop giving up because you have some of it. Some of us think that we have victory over our sin cycles. You don't have victory. You're just going through a sin cycle. And so you stop fighting and you've gotten comfortable with the fact that you're addicted to masturbation and pornography because at least you're not doing it as much as you used to do. 
No, it's not victory. It's a sin cycle. And then we come together once a week so that we can have a patty cake and tell everybody you did a great job. You only masturbated one time. Great. I'm going to help some of you out this morning or tonight. You've got to understand that God wants you to pursue complete victory. You should not be depressed. Complete victory. You broke up with him a year and a half ago. Complete victory. Come on, talk to me. Told you I'm going to get in your business tonight. There should be no counseling sessions for the next year and a half, Pastor Christian. (laughs) I'm almost done. You know that's a lie. But it sounds nice. It sounds nice. It does. It sounds courteous. Are y'all okay in the back room back there? (laughs) Three of them. (laughs) And then the white people who feel bad from earlier. (laughs) I'm just... I'm just mad. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I love white people. They work hard. Amen. So, catch this. God says to him, I want you to pursue it and I want you to overtake it. The first thing you've got to understand is that God is not looking for partial obedience, Amen. He's looking for full obedience. God told you to do that thing and you're saying to God, Well, I just got to take my time. You have 70 years to live. You don't have that much time. And you keep pretending like you have all of eternity. And most of us are living for this short time, not remembering that we've got all of eternity to live for. And we live in perspective of our carnal nature. Are you hearing me? God told him to pursue all. And I love it because David had to go back to his boys who wanted to kill him. And he had to tell them, let's fight. See, sometimes you're going to have to do what's actually hard. I know you don't like to. And I don't think you, I know you don't think you should have to, but there are going to be some things that you have to do where you're going to have to have, and this is like a bad word in the Korean church, but you're going to have to have healthy confrontation. <laughs> Gotta watch out. I told one of our pastors there were some issues. There's all kinds of issues that happen in our church. And I told one of our pastors, I said, we just need to kick them out. And I gave him biblical grounds. I said, why we can kick you out? See, I'm not just emotional. I'm biblical too. <laughs> I will kick you out with a bunch of scriptures. And he said, well, you know. And I said, well, we at least need to do something to talk to them and take care of the issue. And he said, well, you know, we're just going to let the Lord do the work. If the Lord could do the work, he would have never given birth to you to become the pastor to pastor them. Are you hearing me? What am I saying? And and I know everyone's not a pastor here, but some of you are going to have to learn healthy confrontation. There's some people that you're going to have to say no to. And then there's going to be some things that you're going to have to learn how to say yes to. There's some jobs that you're going to be able to take. And there's some jobs that you're not going to be able to take. There's some trips that you're going to be able to go on. And there's some trips that you're not going to be able to go on. And some of you are such babies. I just want to have my way. Come on. David pursues. He goes after it. He Gets off of his lazy butt and he does something. Somebody better say amen to that one. Because I will stay there in a minute. I'm so sick of at least American Christians. You can't pay them to do something. And they think God owes them something. You're, You're telling me, you're telling me that God came down from heaven, got humiliated. Yeah, if you talked about me, I'd leave you. But God came down, let you humiliate him through your sin. 
You keep screwing up. See, some of us blame Adam for sinning. But it ain't Adam's fault. Because if Adam hadn't done it, you would have done it. Somebody better should nod their head or something. Give me, give me a hello, Shondo, something. But, but David actually pursues. He does something. And he's angry at it. And I love what the Bible says because when he got the ephod, the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Let me stop here and talk to all the people who need another prophet to talk to them. Sometimes you got to look in the mirror and prophesy over your own self. Sometimes you got to lay hands on your own head and pray for yourself. Sometimes you can't find a prayer line. Sometimes you've got to call two or three people and tell them, don't come over today because there's a prayer meeting with me and three people, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Sometimes you've got to understand there are things that other folks can't bring you through. You only can do it yourself. And if you're waiting for everybody to pump you up and to cheerlead you come on backflip and turn around and do the spin so you can lift your head you're never going to get breakthrough there is some my god i feel like preaching there are some times where you've got to learn how to encourage yourself in the lord come on just high five your neighbor and say you don't really need me you don't really need me you're bad all by yourself you're bad all by your you don't really know who you are You don't know who you are. Oh, jeez. I just need a prayer partner. No, you don't. You just need to pray. And you know, half the time when people say they're going to pray for you, they just go think about you. I know you never do it, but your neighbor does. Bible says that he starts pursuing and I love it because he goes to this brook. Bible says a couple hundred people had to stay back. Everybody can't go with you on this one. Maybe sometimes you walk alone and you do it by yourself and nobody's going to be there to encourage you. Nobody's going to be there to send you a nice little text that says, Hey, this is the day that the Lord has made. You have to text yourself. Uh, Pastor Christian, listen. I, Pastor Christian, I remember when I was battling with depression. People laugh at me. Joe laughed at me when I said this, when I told him what I was doing. But I remember when I was battling with depression as a younger person, I would take, I started off with one post-it and I put it in front of my mirror and I said, you're amazing. Aww. Joe's laughing right now. <laughs> Trying to hold it. I'm telling you, people thought I was crazy because within a month, I had post-its everywhere. You couldn't open up something without it saying, you're the bomb. You know, I'd even lie to myself. I'd put stuff up. Did you lose weight last night? You just look skinnier today. You just, you smell good. But I tell you what, I'm not standing up here depressed anymore. I'm not standing up here. Sometimes, you know, I, I, you know, suicide thoughts about suicide and people stand up and if you struggle with suicide, don't, I'm not trying to make fun of you because I've been there myself. But I look at people who are struggling with suicide and I say, I like me too much. I like me too much. Some of you have your biggest problem is that you don't like you. Everybody else does, but you don't like you. Sometimes you got to smell your breath, realize it stinks and say, I still like me. I'm going to have to live with me all my life and all throughout eternity. So I might as well get ready to like me. David starts walking and there are some people that drop off. 
And if you're really pursuing the Lord, you'll find that as you pursue the Lord, whether it's that business, whether it's that building, whether it's that NGO, you will find that eventually people will walk off. You'll just see it happen. And if people have never walked around you and everybody likes you, the Bible says, woe to those who are liked by everyone. The Bible says that he's walking, people leave, he keeps going, he runs up to this slave, this Egyptian slave, and, and the Egyptian, um, and I love it, because, you know, the Egyptian, you, Egyptians were black. Yes. Catch this. You don't, I know they don't show you that in the cartoons, but they didn't look like dark Arabs, they were black. You know, they looked like me, they had nappy hair, Velcro, right here. And please don't come up and hug me, because your hair will get stuck in my head. I don't know. I love it because, because this old black Egyptian slave, David comes up and says, hey, have you seen the Amalekites? And you know, he's hungry and he wants David's help. He's like, I saw him. <laughs> uh-huh. You know how we are, black folks. Don't, you, don't leave me up here by myself. We will tell on somebody in a minute if it helps us. <laughs> See, that's why we can't be Ikata, because I would have told everybody where Osama is. You know, I saw him at Pookie's house the other day. <laughs> Acting a fool, bombing up everybody. <laughs> Jesus. Marcus is sitting back there so ashamed right now. <laughs> but catch this, catch this. The Egyptian. So tell him, I saw him. If you feed me, I'll tell you where they are. Let me talk to you about generosity and caring. You're going to need it on your way. Some of you are too stingy. Oh, don't amen me now. Don't amen me now because I'll stick right here. <laughs> Some of you are too stingy. We can't squeeze money out of you. You've never given more than $15. Poor pastors feel depressed sometimes trying to take offerings and $100 come up. I have to encourage them. I said, if Jesus took the offering, they wouldn't give more money than that. One of the things in our, our youth group, I think I told you guys, but our youth group, they used to give less than $20 every, every Sunday. And we only had about 10, 10 kids when I started. And I, I'm telling you, I, I'm part of the holy mafia and God's the mob boss. And so I used to see these $20 things. And I was like, this ain't, this ain't going to pay nothing. An electricity bill, a light bill. And young people think that they don't have to pay tithes because they're underage. Like it's driving or something like that. Or drinking. So I used to, when, I, when $20, $30 come in, I used to take that offering after service. And I said, you're not going to quickly today. Oh, some of y'all don't like me now. <laughs> you were with me. I just lost you. I said, you're not going out to lunch today because you're not about to give that Korean restaurant more money than you've ever given God. Tell me, we get a couple hundred every week now. <laughs> what am I saying? You're going to have to learn generosity on your way. I don't care what you're doing in life. You're going to learn how to... Let me help the Pentecostals because this is hardest for y'all. You're going to have to learn how to be nice. You can't be mean to everybody. You, you just got to be nice. I've had people walk up to me and give me money because I was nice. Because I said hi to them. I say hi to everybody now. I've learned how to say it in different languages. Hola, como estas, you know. Ni hao, I give it all. I'm almost done. I mean it this time. Uh, Yeah, I know who that was. I'm not prophesying over him. (laughs) (laughs) 
Catch this. He's actually nice to the guy and it benefits him. Some of you don't need necessarily God's favor alone. Some of you need favor of men. Do people like you at your job? Uh Uh-oh. Because you're not a Christian at work. I remember when I had to go through this season, I, I hate desk jobs, but God had me working this desk job full time and I couldn't be in ministry for about a year. And I would go in every day and I hated this job, but none of my coworkers knew. They'd come to me all the time and they'd say, I don't know why you're so happy all the time. Your job sucks. I said, I know. Ended up in nine months, insurance company, started off with a temp job, got promoted three times, was making close to $10,000 in less than nine months. How? I was nice. I didn't have to pray. I didn't have to call a fast. I didn't have to call a trumpet. and do it. No, 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 no. I just was nice. Some of you are going to get your next level of breakthrough if you start smiling every now and then. Oh, come on. Some of you look like you take communion with pickles and lemon juice all the time. I just have the joy of the Lord. You ought to email your face and tell it. Text it or something. Well, joy is in my heart. Push that thing out your heart and through your lips. Have our young people, I couldn't believe it. Our young people were walking past people every Sunday in church, not saying hello, not saying hi, not greeting them, not bowing. Do something. And so I told our young people, I said, what the heck is your problem? They said, well, they're older than me. I don't care if they're older than you. They're people. They're God's children. And, and let me help Koreans because this is something you've got to break. Don't walk past people and keep your eyes down to the ground. Look, all my black people, they with me now. Koreans hate me, but the black folks are with me. Because I'm telling you, I, someone, they think I'm crazy at my church. People will walk past me on the street. And I'll say, hey, you got some nice jeans there. I like that. And they say, oh, that's a black thing. No, that's not a black thing. That's a nice thing. Somebody walked out, I was walking down the street one day, heading to my pastor's house, one of our EM pastors, and, and I was wearing shorts, and you know, I got nice calves. So when the black lady said, hey, I was like, she said, you got some nice calves. I said, thank you, baby. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Baby. Thank you. Learn how to compliment people. If they cook good food, tell them it was... Just lie. (laughs) Tell them they look good. Breath my stink teeth yellow. (laughs) Just tell them, I love love your dentist. You know, tell them something. No, I'm serious though. I, I, I feel it's so disrespectful. And some of you were raised to think that it's disrespectful to look people in their eye. It's just culture. My Bible tells me that there's a new race. Oh, y'all don't like me now. Because you thought that you could get staved and still be Korean. Did he say that? Did he say, did he just say what, did he say, he said that, right? You, you, you thought that you could, you could get saved and still have your culture. Oh, Jesus. If God won't let the Africans in the middle of the bush keep their cultural God, what makes you think you can keep yours? Oh, yeah. This is why they won't let me preach to the KM service. You've got to learn how to be nice. Open up your mouth and say hi. You'll never know who blesses you. 
You'll never know who God's sending in your life to be a divine appointment and you'll miss it because you're mean. Well, that's just not who I am. Change who you are. Like the Bible is supposed to match who you are. Like you're supposed to come to the scriptures and say, that's the problem with us. We read the scriptures and we try to make it fit us instead of making the, making us fit the scriptures. Stop perverting the word. Because you come just, you just, oh, oh Jesus, I feel like going off. You're just as bad as the, oh man, I'm going to mess you up. You're just as bad as the people who say it's, you must really be not following God if you don't have a big house. And a nice car. Oh, I'm miss- oh. Because most of us take our lust from the world. Uh-oh. We never really get saved. And so when, before we're saved, we get the nice house and we want the big car and we want the nice stuff. And then we, quote unquote, get saved. All we do is dip it in Jesus. And then we say, now I want to have the nice house and the big car for Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I messed up. When you come into Christ, the Bible says you are a new creation. I saw the slug and I talked to him after he turned into a butterfly. He said, I'm a new creation. I look different. I want to stay right there just a little bit longer, but I'm not. I'm going to help. Just get yourself together. Here's a prophetic word. Be nice, says the Lord. Some of you are so, your pastor would preach better if you would smile at him when he's preaching. Sitting up there judging the pastor and waiting for him to make a mistake. Like you can actually preach. You know, you should see how hard it is to preach to you. You should try preaching to you. She's got to preaching and trying to, and having to do intercession and battling off judgmental spirits, judging spirits that try to pressure you into no, you know, just okay. So David, I'm I'm just about done. David's nice to this Egyptian. Don't worry, I'm everything I say. Pastor Christian has never approved. Don't worry. <laughs> oh Jesus, David is nice. And the guy leads him in the direction where his stuff is. And I love it. And catch this. Who stole David's stuff? The Amalekites. Now the Amalekites were the cockroaches of God. You just couldn't kill those suckers. You thought you did. But they popped up. They were like baby's kids. Bad kids. Only the black folks know who that is. (laughs) You just couldn't get rid of them. Malachites were those people who constantly tortured the people of God, messing with them. One of the reasons God hated the Malachites was because when God was bringing the people out of Egypt through deliverance, the Amalekites tried to stop it. Let me talk to all you religious people that don't want to help people get free. You sit up there judgmental like you've never been through anything. Somebody's trying to get set free of homosexuality and you put them in a quarantine box and tell them not to touch anybody. Get yourself together. Because I'd hate to have to be against you because I'm on God's side. People think I hate people. No, I hate religious spirits. Because the Amalekite is a religious spirit. It doesn't want people to get free. It wants to hinder them from freedom and stop them. If somebody's shouting and dancing and getting their cry on, you know what you need to do? Shout and dance and get your cry on. 
You've got, some of you got to learn. I learned one thing before. I've learned, I don't really hunt. I like to eat what you hunt. But I learned they have these things called point dogs. And what happens is when you hunt, the hunter will shoot the duck or whatever it is, and then the duck will fall, and the dogs, four or five of them, these hunt dogs will go out to try to find the dog. Now they'll all be sniffing out the, sniffing out the scent, and then one of them will catch the scent, and he'll get in a pose, and he'll freeze, and he'll point in the direction where the thing is. And the dogs will see that dog pointing, and they might not know what he's pointing at or where it is, but they'll line up in the same direction as that dog and point with him. What am I saying? You've got to learn the point. If this person is sitting over here, I'll never get, sometimes I'll have, you know, some of my young sons and my intercessors with me. And then all of a sudden, I remember walking with my mom, my spiritual mom, and I was sitting with her. And all of a sudden, we're in the presence of God. And when my mom gets the anointing and she gets the prophetic anointing, my mom is the baddest prophet you've ever seen. And she gets that anointing on her. She starts doing that old mama rock. She's one of the prophets you don't want to look in the eye. You know what I'm talking about. You just repent right before you see it when you're walking up to her. Lord, just forgive me for all my sins, Lord. How you doing? My mom, she'd rock in her seat. She could prophetic word. And I know this happens to other people too. And so I wouldn't be feeling anything, but I'd look at her rock and I'd do the same thing. Why? Because it's the point. I'd rather agree with what God is doing than come against it. Some of you Amalekites are mad at me right now. You were mad at the altar call last night. You were mad. I told him when we started jumping and dancing, I know we got in trouble. When we started jumping and dancing, I reached over to Aaron after in the, in the beginning of the service yesterday. And I said, I hope we got rid of all the religious people right there. One, one, one missionary told a story in China when, he, well, when they were in the underground Chinese church. And these police officers came in and they came in to, to kill them all. And so they said, we're going to kill all you Christians. But if there's any of you in here, we'll give you a last chance. And we'll give you a chance that if you want to turn against them, you just spit on the other Christians and you walk out. And so half of them spit on the Christians and then walk out. After they walked out, the police officers shut the door. They took off their army guards and they say, hey, we're Christians too. We just wanted to worship with the real ones. Don't come to church on Sunday. We'll have some police. (laughs) You've got to learn to agree with what God is doing. And that's not only for other people. That's for yourself. Some of you have Amalekites and you're the Amalekite against yourself. Coming against what God wants to do. And it's usually through this little thing right here called the tongue. God says one thing and you diametrically oppose him. God says you're blessed and you say I'm cursed. God says you're the head and you say I'm the tail. And then you justify it because you say I'm struggling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I know your business. I know all of it. But I'm done here. Did I tell you that already? But well, I am. I, this is my last close. I love it. Because David gets, gets favor not only from God. He gets the ability to go and pursue. But now he gets favor from men. That comes only from being generous and nice. I, I sat with um, the princess of Brunei. And I just sat in front of her. And I just started having a conversation with her. And then she told me after we had a conversation, it was such a nice conversation. She said, I just, hey, I want to help you with your, your nonprofit. 
And so I thought when people say that, usually you give $25 so they can feel good about themselves and keep moving on in their life. A week later, I looked at my bank account and saw that she had deposited $10,000 into our account. I didn't prophesy over her. I didn't give her a CD. I didn't even want to give her a t-shirt. That favor came just by me being nice. After being nice, he gets led in the direction that he needs to go. And I love it because the Bible says that David stands on the mountaintop and he looks at the enemy rejoicing over what he lost. Now, I grew up and one of the things I loved as a kid was a Twinkie. Oh, dear God. (laughs) Deep fry that sucker, dip it in chocolate. Don't, don't be judgmental. Don't, don't be judgmental. You've never tried it. It will feel like a heart attack, but you'll feel like you're in heaven. Somebody from the South knows what I'm talking about. You know, in the South, they got this restaurant that deep fries everything. They deep fry Oreos, Snickers. Oh, let's just take a moment. But the Bible says... That he looks over and he says, what's up? I remember when I was a little kid, I loved Twinkies. And it was close to my birthday and so my grandmother was being real nice to me. And she gave me this, the last Twinkie that was in the box. And I remember I took the Twinkie and I sat it on top of the table. And I just made sure I told everybody, don't touch my Twinkie. I might be nine years old, but I would take, yeah, don't touch my Twinkie. And I had to especially tell my brother. And I told him, if you touch my Twinkie, I will put my foot so far up your butt. Your breath will smell like shoelaces. So my Twinkie sat there for a day. And he sat there for two days and I was going to have it. Because you know, a Twinkie will last two years, you know. That don't, that's not biodegradable at all. And I remember I was planning a special day. I think it was a Saturday. I was going after that Twinkie. But I remember one day I woke up and I was going for my Twinkie. And y'all, you will not believe this, but it was not there. I immediately went into fasting and praying and trusting God. And I looked around and I asked my brother or my sister, I said, did you see my Twinkie? Don't lie to me. She said, no, I asked my grandmother. She said, boy, if you don't get out of my face. I asked my other sister. And then I went to my conniving little brother and I said, don't, if you lie to me, did you take my Twinkie? And my brother looked at me and he smiled. Oh, Shabahanda. Now, it's one thing to take my stuff, but it's another thing to smile at it. It's one thing for the devil to take what belongs to me, but it's another thing for him to have a praise and worship service over it. So, see, I'm not as dumb as my brother. I'm a little smarter. So I, I, I let him forget what he did so that it'd make the punishment all the more better. And if I wanted to punish my brother, all I had to tell him to do was that it was a game. So I told my brother, I said, you want to play a little game? He said, yeah, I want to play a little game. He had forgotten. I didn't forget. I said, we're going to play a little game. Here's the game. This is called get in the trash can and roll over. So he said, it sounds like fun. So I took my brother, picked him up and put him in the trash can. I waited three seconds or so for him to get real excited. I took my size 12 foot and kicked it over as hard as I could and told him game over. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm delivered. I'm not like that anymore. Some of you are like. 
I wasn't a pastor back then. Don't worry. I was just a deacon. Amen. Um, I love deacons. Worship team, get up here. Get up here, worship team. Start playing something real pretty. But I remember my brother smiled at me, and that's when I got real angry. Because if he had told me, I might have just punched him in the stomach. But because he laughed at what had been taken from me, I, got, I wanted vengeance. Some of you got to understand that the enemy has laughed at you. That he looks at you depressed and broken and he laughs at you. Some of you think the devil is your friend. He does not like you. His only job is to kill and destroy you. Some of you think the devil's kind of a nice guy. He just has some bad days. No, the devil doesn't have his mood swing. He hates you. And because the enemy has come sometimes to you as an angel of light, you've received him. You've got to get angry. You've got to get violent. There's stories all over the world of things happening to people all the time. People say, why are you so angry? Have you heard the stories I've heard? I can tell you a story of a, one of our little kids in the Philippines who was locked away 20 to 23 hours out of every day for 15 years of his life. You know why I'm angry? I can tell you the story of my sister who was raised in the same church as I was. WNBA all-star. Going all the way. And is now stuck on crack cocaine. Wouldn't know why I'm angry. Because I look at my other sister. Who was raised in the same church I was. Same youth group I was raised in. Same choir I was in. She's been in the hospital twice now. Trying to cut her throat. You know why I'm angry? Because I don't have enough money. To build my orphanage for kids who are starving and dying tonight. You want to know why I'm angry? I'm angry because not only has the enemy stolen an entire generation from the kingdom. But he's sitting there laughing at the fact that the church think that they're okay because they're singing here I am to worship. I'm angry because not only have I lost some things in my life. I'm angry because the enemy is celebrating over what I've lost. And there's nothing like someone celebrating over what you've lost. And the Bible says that he looked over and he saw them dancing and rejoicing over his stuff and I love it because it doesn't even wait to give you a little verse in between it says that he was looking and the next verse that you see is that he kicks him butt from dusk till dawn I want to tell you there's going to be some dark nights and you're getting ready to come into a season where you're going to have to fight through some nights but the Bible says that David didn't recover at all Aaron it says that he got more stuff than he lost. Then when he goes back to Ziglag, John, the Bible says that he takes some of that extra stuff that he had and he started passing it out to the surrounding kingdoms. What am I trying to tell you? I know you've gone through a fight in 2010. It's been a hard year. I know you've lost more friends this year than you've ever lost before. I know you've been more broke this year than you've ever been broke before. I know stuff is going on in your family and it's never happened like this. And I know you're dealing with some issues that you've never had to deal with before. But I want to tell you that you're not just going to recover everything. That the reason you're in that thing is because when you get out of it, you're about to bless nations. Oh, I don't think you heard that tonight. You're not in it just to get your stuff. 
You're in it to get your cousin's stuff. Pookie and all of them. The reason God has you fighting the battle and you've got to fight it, you've got to understand David fought it in the nighttime. You've got to fight it when it's dark. When you can't see. Found out. Stand on your feet. Stand up. Found out this interesting thing. Just stick with me for just a minute. Because the Holy Spirit's about to sweep through this house. And there's somebody who's going to get some stuff back tonight. I found out something from a blind person one time. Because I noticed this blind person didn't need to fill around or touch around to get to different places in his house. And I said, how can you do that? And he said to me, I've been in this house so long that I'm able to memorize and I count how many steps it is to get to the kitchen. And I count how many steps it is to get to the bathroom. And I know, and so I don't have to feel around or be afraid of getting hurt. What God's about to do in this next few minutes is he's going to fill you up with so much knowledge of direction that as you go into this dark season of fighting, it's going to be okay that you can't really feel Jesus. Because if we're honest, sometimes you just don't feel him. Sometimes you you can't pay for a prophecy. Sometimes every worship service is dead. And every altar call you go to, nothing ever happens. I'm going to tell you tonight that God's getting ready to fill you up with so much knowledge that when you fight, you'll be able to fight in the dark and you won't have a problem. But God brought you here tonight so that you know that you can't give up. Too many people fighting. Too many people waiting for you to get your breakthrough. Young man with the black coat right there. You're looking straight at me. You can't stop fighting. You can't. You got to keep on going. And there's some big fights that you haven't even entered into. There's some battles that you haven't even entered into. But God says, I'm going to give you the younger generation. He says, you're going to have a heart for young people. He says, I'm going to use you to raise up young people and you're going to fight for them even when they can't fight. And the Lord says, it's okay that you don't have as much knowledge as that pastor and as much knowledge as that pastor. Don't you feel less than it? Don't you think less of yourself? Because God says, I took David, a little shepherd boy, and made him king. And I'm going to do the same with you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Put your hand over your heart. Danny, I just want you to lay hands on his head. Watch this. Holy Spirit, come and fill him up. Right where he is. Young man, forget about everybody around you right now. The Holy Spirit's filling you up, son. Sha, fill them up. One of the principles that I've learned from God is how to praise before I ever receive anything from Him. You say, why? I was talking to my pastor's son one time, Jeremiah, and he can barely speak. And I told that little chunky Korean boy, I said, Jeremiah, do you want a piece of bread? He said, uh huh. I said, well, what do you say? He reached out his hands. He said, thank you. I said, no. I said, what's the magic word? He said, thank you. I asked him one more time. I said, Jeremiah, I'm not going to give you this bread until you tell me what you're supposed to tell me. So he reached out his hand one more time, grabbed the bread and said, thank you. I want you to lift up your hands right now. And before God ever gives you the victory, I want you to tell him thank you. Come on. Go ahead. 
Go ahead, just tell them thank you. Yeah, breakthrough. Just go ahead and tell them thank you. Watch them refresh you if you tell them thank you. Uh, uh, thank you. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Come on, I know you don't have it yet, but just thank him. I know you don't have the bank account full yet, but just thank him. I know that loved one's not saved yet, but just thank him. I know you don't have the freedom you want yet, but just thank him. I know you don't have the church building that you need, but just thank him.